welcome to Why a Book, podcast where we read books, specifically YA books, young adult books. Thank you. I'm Mary. And I'm Renee, and uh, we're both very tired we're and really very tired. congested from allergy season. It's rough out here. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, but uh, we got quite possibly our biggest book to date covering. Definitely the most pages. Most, um, yeah, I think this most, a lot of my books have been this kind of length, but I think this, this does it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it was a phenomenon. <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one because this is a huge series that I never read. Well, our friend Stephanie Meyer loves it, according to the giant font on the guy's naked chest oh on the cover. So yes, we are covering book one of the Mortal Instruments series, City of Bones by Cassandra Clare. And yeah, we're going to get into Cassandra Clare. <laughs> There's a lot. I know a lot about her. her. There's a lot to know about, about the, her. The backstory to this book and this series. You know the lore. <laughs> I know the lore. I just don't know the actual lore of the series <laughs> itself. <laughs> Well, Stephanie Meyer says, The Mortal Instruments series is a story world that I love to live in. Beautiful. Her, if she... I would not trust her opinion on it. literally I have to say, she does have good world building. Okay. That's like her her strong suit, I'd say, is the world building, kind of mythology aspect of it. Nowhere near Tolkien, but better than a lot of YA books. Dialogue-wise, eh. um, Mm, The actual plot? The plot, I mean, of this book... Good. The whole series, I can't remember. There's like five spin-off series that take place in this universe. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the second one, which was takes place in like the 1800s England. Um, I loved. And I know a lot of other people that agree they like it better than this one. But um, you know, she has some ups. She has many downs. Uh, some ethical dilemmas in her downs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, so we'll get to the description. <laughs> When Clary Frey heads out to the Pandemonium Club in New York City, she hardly expects to witness a murder, much less a murder committed by three teenagers what? covered with odd markings. What is with books in New York City where they start out with going to a club and there's a murder? Teenagers at a nightclub oh and a murder? a murder? There's a lot of callbacks to some of our earliest episodes in this book. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, this is Clary's first meeting with the Shadow Hunters, all one word, warriors dedicated to ridding the earth of demons and keeping the odd werewolves and vampires in line. It's also her first meeting with gorgeous golden-haired Jace. Within 24 hours, Clary is pulled into Jace's world with a vengeance when her mother disappears and Clary herself is attacked by a demon. But why would demons be interested in an ordinary mundane like Clary? And how did she suddenly get the sight the Shadow Hunters would like to know? Let me guess, she's not exactly. She has some mysterious past. <clears throat> no comment. I don't know. Again, I'm not fucking reading this. Wait, I am! Because my. Anyway, so this was published in 2007, and it starts off 
with a Shakespeare quote. That's <laughs> I knew I was on to something because I was going to. I you know I love Shakespeare. <laughs> I have not slept between the acting of a dreadful thing and the first motion. All the interim is like a phantasma or a hideous dream. The genius and the mortal instruments are there in council in the state of man, like a little kingdom suffers then the nature of an insurrection from Julius Caesar. So the context for this quote, it's Brutus talking about how he hasn't been able to sleep since um, they discussed the plot to kill Caesar. And he's talking about like how between deciding to do something and doing something, Mm -hmm. you're like just a mess. Um, And like the genius and the moral instruments is talking about the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. So the moral instruments as a term in Shakespeare just refers to your physical body. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just guessing that Cassandra Clare read Shakespeare, like read Julius Caesar and became obsessed with the phrase mortal instruments because we'll get to it later. Her notorious Harry Potter fan fiction yes, titled the is called The Mortal Instruments. Yes. This whole series is called The Mortal Instruments, but there are actual objects that have the title mortal instruments in this series. Interesting. Yeah, so I think she just got, like, mortal instruments. How cool does that sound? Anyway, um, <laughs> we jump to part one called Dark Descent and immediately go in to another quote. This time from J. Melty Boy's Paradise Lost. Great. <laughs> uh, the quote is, I sung of chaos and eternal night, taught by the heavenly muse to venture down the dark descent and up to reascend. So she's really big on she has to show you what quote something is referencing. So mm-hmm. each, like, t- the title of the series, the title of each section, she needs to, instead of just making it a reference, she has to have the full quote so you know why she called it that. Great. Yes. Uh, so finally we get to the plot, like, ten pages later. So Clary and Simon are in line for this under-21 club in New York City. And the club is being held up because there's this punk-looking kid with blue hair and a wooden stake. And the bouncer's like, you can't bring a fucking weapon in here. This is post-9-11 age of terrorism New York City. And he's like... Hair. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm dressed as a vampire hunter. <laughs> That's why I have blue hair, obviously. This is fake. And he, like, bends the stake and shows, like, it's not a real wooden stake. It's a prop. And the bouncer's just like... All right, go in, I guess. You're fucking weird, but there are a lot of weirdos at this club. Clary thinks this guy's cute. Of course she does. Yes. And, so, like, Simon calls her out on it. He's like, so you think he's cute, huh? She's like, maybe. <laughs> so they go into the club, and the punk boy uh, has this long internal monologue. We cut to, like, his perspective. And it's all about humanity and f- how foolish humans are and how much he loves the vitality he can feel flowing through the nightclub. And then he's approached by this gorgeous, tall girl with long, dark hair that's, like, almost to the floor. (laughs) And she's wearing this vintage white lace long sleeve, like, maxi dress. Uh Uh-huh. And he's like, humans, you know, they make stupid decisions. She's coming to me. Let's have some fun. So they go back to this, like, storage room in the back of the club. And we cut back to Clary. And what is this club playing? Call back to um, Blue Bloods. Trance music! Oh, my God. There's this club is 
bopping with trance music and by lighting. (laughs) This already just feels just like everything else I've covered. Well, no, this feels exactly like if someone like read Blue Bloods and was like told to rewrite it from memory. (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. Blue Bloods was a little before. I feel like Blue Bloods was like maybe oh, they might have been the same time. I'm, I'm googling it. Yeah. Where's Blue Bloods? Not the TV series. The book. Oh yeah, there's a TV series. My sister out. had a deep Blue Bloods phase. Oh, <laughs> that Blue Bloods. I was. <laughs> No, the police. The show. police one. So Blue Bloods was uh, published in two thousand six. Wow. <laughs> but it's like we have the club, the teenagers, the trance shady, music. Well, like even like a weirdo outside, like <laughs> the that catches music. the attention of the main girl. Exactly who and she thinks she has is her cute. like alternative. Well, and Simon's a nerd, not really alternative, but anyway. And the serious and standoffish other girl inside, like she's not standoffish. Well, she's flirting with the punk kid. I guess that's true. And just wearing a weird outfit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Clary has been watching the punk boy this entire time since she thinks he's cute. Uh, and Simon, we get the description, and he's like your typical nerdy guy, like the the cute nerd with like the curly brown hair and the glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just trying to talk to her, and she's straight up not listening to a word he says because she's too busy like watching this random guy she doesn't know try to hook up with this other girl and then she's sad mm-hmm. and like Simon's doing drastic things to get her attention including I'm sleeping with your mom does not fade like she does not pay. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then she sees the punk kid and the girl go into the storage room and immediately two guys follow them in and she sees one of them has what looks like a knife. So she freaks out and tells Simon what she just saw. So he goes to get security and Clary's like, there's no time for security. I'm going in. You are. You're a, a 50. This is, it starts half the book of the Quinceanera conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Her birthday is in the middle of the book. Nice. So we cut back to the punk kid. Uh, the girl introduces herself as Isabel, and he notices that she has what at first looks like jewelry, but then he realizes it's markings on her arm, mm-hmm. and he recognizes the markings and freaks out. So then she attacks, and then the two boys who follow them in attack with her. They reveal that they are shadow hunters, and the punk boy is a demon. So the two boys, one is brown, one is brown hair, one is blonde. Easy to distinguish until we get their names. They also have these intricate rune markings all over their bodies. Uh, the demon is trying to prevent them from killing him by claiming that Valentine is back. And if that they don't kill him, he can tell them how to find Valentine. And Jace is like, you're full of bullshit. Like, demons always play the we know where Valentine is card, but 
like he died 16 years ago mm-hmm. we know but the demon is like no 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 dude he's back he's got plans and at this point clary has entered and is overhearing this and mm-hmm. is freaking out and she intervenes because she's like oh my god they're about to kill this boy and all three teens are strange like bitch can see us and she's like of course i can see you and Alec, which is we find out the brunette's name, is like, who is that? And Jace, ever the witty character, goes, haven't you seen a girl before, Alec? Oh, my God. This whole Cassandra cares, Claire's dialogue, every character is amazing wit, so clever comebacks. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, two that people acknowledge as being very witty, but every character has this nonstop witty repartee, which I loved back in the day, but reading it now, I'm like, okay, everybody's yeah. fucking hysterical? No. I know I think I'm hysterical, but, like, the rest of the world, debatable. <laughs> Mary and I are the funniest people we know. <laughs> <laughs> it also, like, hurt me when you were, like, specifying the one that has brown hair and one has blonde hair. I was immediately was like, she, this woman strikes me as the type of fan fiction writer who would use terms like blue net or like ravenette, you know? Those, oh, those. Mary, she does. <laughs> no, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Because I was like, this well, guy has blue uh, Jace is, Jace like self-describes himself as like, well, people say my eyes are like golden, this and then like, he does it himself. Does she use the term orbs? I don't believe so. That would cross the line. <laughs> I feel like an editor would at least pick that one out and be like, we're not doing this. She does write like that. <laughs> not yeah. a orbs, but... I, she just... Getting she, close. She gave me the vibe. Yeah. Um, fun fact, at least back when she published this uh, series, she was living in Brooklyn, which is why she does have the best portrayal of New York City. Oh, because she's actually... Like, <laughs> Like, there's, like, she describes Williamsburg correctly, like, the, using the subway and everything. Yeah. yeah, so she at least is very good at writing the city she lives in. I don't know if we can say the same about Blue Blood. No! Just match it up! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the demon and the three, like, marked up teens refer, keep referring to Clary as a Mundy. So keep that in mind. Okay. So the punk demon escapes and attacks the blonde boy, who we now know is named Jace. J-A-C-E. Yes. Like Mace with a J. Okay. <laughs> Just, what a fucking name. Um, the shadow hunters kill the demon, and Isabel starts freaking out at Clary, and she's t- horrified and confused. And she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the cops. And Jace is like, you need a body to prove a crime. And she looks to where the demon was, and he's gone, and they explain... When you kill a demon, the, like, the physical remains go back to the underworld of swords, like, yeah. their domain. Yeah. So she's just very confused and freaking out. And they're, like, trying to figure out how she can see them and, like, if she really is. Because they can really sense that she's just a human girl, but they don't know why they can that she can see them then. Uh, and then suddenly Simon and the bouncers show up and they're like, Clary, like... Why are you in here alone? Like, what happened to the people you saw? And Clary's like, oh, shit. Like, I really am the only one who can see these people. So Clary tries to brush it off. She's like, sorry. Like, they must have gone somewhere else. I I was just hallucinating. (laughs) Um, But Simon Simon doesn't believe her when she's like, they must have just not actually gone in the storage room. He's like, are you okay? She's like, don't worry about it. And then they take the cab back to Brooklyn where they both live. 
And we cut to the next day. We find out that uh, Clary is an artist like her mom, Jocelyn Frey. And she's in a bit of trouble with Jocelyn for staying out so late. Um, But Simon still manages to convince her to go to a poetry show that his bandmate is performing in. He recently started a band with some friends from school that's your comically bad band. Mm -hmm. They keep trying to figure out a weird name for the the band and they they just keep switching through the the weirdest names ever. You'll love it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The band in my high school is called The Study of Wombo. Wow. They didn't come up with that suggestion. I don't know if their music was good. Probably not. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, then we get a little backstory that Clary's dad was named Jonathan Clark. And he was a soldier who died overseas before Clary was born. All she has left of him is this, uh, this photograph that they have in the living room. And then her mom has this small box with JC written on it. And it includes a few things like a wedding ring and a lock of blonde hair and a couple of photos. And like once a year, uh, she sees her mom like pull this box out and just starts like crying over what's inside. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Luke shows up, who is a good friend of Jocelyn. And he's helping pack up boxes, and Clary's like, what's going on? And Luke's like, oh, no, your mom just, you know, we're, we're, we're packing stuff up for, like, a little bit. Um, and Clary's like, hey, Luke, can I just honestly ask you something? Um, what would you say if someone said they saw people, but no one else saw them there? And Luke kind of, like has a moment where he looks a little freaked out, but he, like, regains his composure. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, you're an artist just like your mom, so you see the world differently. It's not bad. You're not crazy. You just, you see things differently than other people. That's not really... He tried. How that works. He he tried to come up with an explanation. He he, Luke always does his... He tries his best. (laughs) Uh, and then Jocelyn shows up, and she's a tall, mature, attractive version of Clary. So they're both very slim in stature, but Clary is short with very bright carrot top ginger hair and freckles. So she seems cute and childlike, whereas her mom is very tall, and she's a darker shade of red. So mm-hmm. she has the more mature look to her. Okay. it's She wants you to know. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) So Clary's mom says the three of them are going to go away upstate for the summer instead of grounding Clary for going staying out late the night before. She straight up is like, "Yes, this has to do with what you what happened with you last night. We're going to spend the summer upstate." Okay, that feels like a drastic decision to be making. And Luke seems really worked up, and Clary doesn't know why, because Luke enjoys going upstate, and she's like, I don't know why Luke is all worked up. And he's about to leave when Jocelyn takes him aside and hushed whispers. She's saying something about, like, she doesn't know what to do because she, and Bane hasn't been answering his phones for weeks, and his voicemail says he's in Tanzania. And that's all she married, like, that's all Mary. From from the Dark Knight Rises? (laughs) Yes. That's all Clary. (laughs) Not Mary. Not Mary Clary. Just Clary. Yeah. This is... (laughs) She doesn't spell it the way I do, but... No, because it's short for Clarissa. We don't claim her. Yeah, well, you're not Clarissa, so you're fine. No. Anyway, so Luke is like, you can't depend on him forever. You need to talk to Clary. 
And then Simon just shows up at the door, startling Luke. So Luke goes, Jesus! And Simon says, no, but I've been told we look alike. Like, that's the dialogue every character has. Nobody talks like that. No. This feels like a sitcom where they have too many laugh tracks. Exactly. Or like a Disney Channel show. Yeah, she should have gotten a job. I guess they might have looked into her path. <laughs> like, maybe incest fan fiction is not quite the direction we want to go. No. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we find out that Clary is living in a townhouse apartment in Park Slope. Um, their downstairs neighbor is Madame Dorothea, who is a seeress and a prophetess. Okay. <laughs> she So they're all just like, yeah, she's just some phony psychic. Uh-uh. <laughs> but I mean, she must be doing well for herself. She owns a, she like owns Park Slope property. <laughs> so this is what Dorothea from Fire Emblem does later in life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you imagine. Anyway, Clary and Simon leave to hang out. Uh, and Clary's venting about her mom and how her mom is controlling and hides her past. Like, as there's no relatives Clary's ever, like, met or heard of. There's no wedding pictures. And it, it really seems like her mom's life started when she had Clary, which is something her mom actually says. And Simon's like, you know, that's pretty sweet that she says her life started when you were born. <laughs> Listen, maybe she just had a traumatic past. Well, Simon brings that up. She Simon says that um, maybe the reason, like, you've never met or heard of your grandparents um, is because they're abusive. Because Simon has noticed there's what looks like very faint scars on her, like, arm and back. Mm-hmm. And Clary's never noticed. But Simon's like, yeah, like, I, there's, like, what looks like kind of scars on her, all over her body. So she might just have not had a good past and got away from it. This is a time when family therapy might be a good option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, ever since the night the, the night at the club, well, I guess it's only been like less than a day later, um, Clary keeps seeing these weird people, like someone that looks like they have cat eye, like cat-like eyes. Warrior cats. There's <laughs> absolutely warrior cats fan fiction. Don't. No. <laughs> she sees a little girl with wings. We're, we're not even addressing that. <clears throat> So Simon and Clary go to the poetry night, and Simon is clearly about to confess his love for her, his mm-hmm. best friend mm-hmm. when Jace shows up looking hot. You always need to know Jace is just looking fine. He thinks okay. it. The girls think it. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. And then Clary like has like excuses herself so she can go talk to Jace. And he's trying to figure out what she is because he's like, how can you see us? Like it starts questioning her and like, oh, do you know a warlock? Do you did blah blah blah? <laughs> I just was wondering, like, hey, do you know a warlock? <laughs> and then he says that, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, I'm a warlock. Well, but who I would say is the entire fandom's favorite character is the high warlock of Brooklyn. How did he become the High Warlock of Brooklyn? A lot of trauma, a lot of age. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if the trauma is really related to him becoming the High Warlock of Brooklyn, but that's he's he's great. He and then this one other character who you kind of, it's complicated are like the two faves in the fandom. <laughs> anyway, so Jace says Hodge, who is his tutor, thinks that Clary could be dangerous, but Clary. 
it clearly doesn't know she's dangerous if she is. Jace's like, if you're dangerous, you don't even realize. <laughs> um, and he checks her hand to see if she has the traditional rune that's placed on Shadowhunter's hands when they're born. It's traditionally on the right hand, unless they're a lefty, then it's on the left hand. And so apparently they know what hand you're using when you're born. Yeah, they know what your dominant hand is when you're literally... Right, like, a part of me is like, did I misread that? Because later they say you're usually 12 when you get your first rune. So I'm like, did I just misread it? And it's like, supposed to be, it's like, they're 12. Because Jace Jace is a lefty. It comes up multiple times. Yes, left hands. (laughs) Left hands, not left handers. Left hands. Anyway... He explains what the the marks are. I mean, if you know anything about runes, you could probably guess, but they (laughs) help with different things. There's runes for healing, wounds for helping with combat, etc. Very, it's explanatory. And Clary notices that he doesn't have any runes right now, and he says it's because um, traditionally runes, once like you kind of use them up, they fade. Uh, but she does see that there are, like, faint scars up and down his arms. hmm And Jay says that this Hodge man wants Clary to go back to the Institute, uh, which is the Shadow Hunter. Like, it's kind of like a research facility. You find out more about it later. Another institute, which is like Maxim Ride in New York City. <laughs> um, anyway, because Hodge wants to make sure she's not a risk, and she already knows too much, so they kind of need to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he explains that they're shadow hunters who fight downworlders, also one word, and they are the night children, warlocks, the fae, vampires. And Clary's like, oh, like, are there zombies too? And he's like, yeah, mostly down south. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, something to do with, like, the voodoo, which I just thought, I just pictured Scooby-Doo zombie island. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what they're saying. Okay, all right. <laughs> And then Jace is like, yeah, I'm going to force you to come with me if needed. But then she suddenly gets a call from her mom, and he's respectful, so he lets her take it. (laughs) And it sounds like there's a fucking attack happening. She's panicking. There's, like, things breaking in the background. And all, like, she says, he's found me. Don't come home. Find Luke. Like, go to Simon's or something. I love you. And uh, the the line drops. Clary's in such a panic that she drops her phone, and it breaks. Clearly wasn't Nokia. Ugh. 2007 was when they were trying to get adventurous with phones, and usually they, like, a lot of them didn't work out too well. Yeah, 2007 was also, like, around the time when everyone needed, like, a really small phone for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, so her phone breaks, so she grabs Jace's phone, and he's like, this isn't a fucking phone, but it's, like, the size of one, so she's like, it must be a phone. Um, he's like, no, it's a sensor. But she's freaking out, and she leaves. Jace doesn't follow her. She gets to her apartment, and Madame Dorothea is complaining about all the noise from upstairs, and she just goes on about random complaints she has. So Clary goes upstairs, and the place has been ransacked. Like, all of the, her mom's paintings that were hung around have been cut out and taken, but it doesn't look like it was a robbery because all their valuables are still there, and, like, things are just thrown around the place. Um, and then this big spider demon attacks her, and is, like, saying that it wants to eat her and that Valentine won't mind because Valentine didn't say anything about a girl being involved. And she manages to fight back using that little sensor thing that mm-hmm. she's grabbed off of Jace, has a bunch of runes on it, and she, like, sh- like shoved it down her throat, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she falls unconscious, and she wakes up, she's on the grass outside, and Jace is there. She has poisonous demon blood in her that will kill her if Jace doesn't get her help. 
And then cops show up, and Jace is like, no, like, look closer. Those aren't real cops. And so Clary kind of sees past what you, you find out is called the glamour mm-hmm. and sees that they are, in fact, more demonic things coming to attack. Mm-hmm. So Jace takes his... Okay, is it Steel or Ste- S-T-E-L-E? S-T-E-L-E. Steel? That I always what's, said, the, what's the context? It's like a, a sharp object. Um, apparently in the... Okay, I said... So... According to Cassandra Clare, it's up to the readers how they want to say it in the movies, which the movie sucks. They say Stella, Stella. So steel, we're all with steel. So he takes this yeah. like sharp. So the Google dictionary has either. Okay, so he takes this sharp knife object type thing called the steel, and he draws a rune on her so that she can get away. It's almost like a glamour disguise type thing so she can no one can really perceive that she's there Mm -hmm. so that he can sneak her away and she's unconscious again um and she next thing she knows she's hearing people talk about how it's been three days and she hasn't woken up yet and she's been having these really strange dreams of luke standing on bones jace with angel wings uh simon with crosses burnt into the back of his hands and she wakes up, and it's Isabel from Pandemonium there, the the girl with the weird outfit. Yeah. And she has her hair in two braids, which reach her waist. And she's a very tall person again. Remember yeah. this. So this is one of those classic, like, how practical is your hair when you're constantly fighting things? Not a concern in the fictional world. No. <laughs> it should be. Oh, I, this is one of my pet peeves. Yeah, but because like her, her hair is like almost touching the ground. Well, and it's gotta be heavy as fuck. Yeah, like even if we're not talking about the battle part, how much conditioner does this girl use a day? Because even when my hair is just like to my like boobs, I was going through conditioner like nothing. Else. Like it was. That's... Yeah. And then you factor in she's fighting demons and shit. Maybe she uses her hair as a weapon. <laughs> she has a really strong neck just from like swinging her braids. No, I'm just around. picturing in the tuning exams. When <laughs> 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 they do use the hair. Uh, anyway, so she. That's she's, what I would do. Attach two maces <laughs> to my braids. I would just like tie nunchucks to the top. <laughs> And just start whipping my head around. Well, exactly. That's why I would tie the maces to it. Yeah. Just have two spiky-ass balls just, like, Well, that's just so heavy. I feel like... Well, it's it's already heavy. I'm going to like, a bunch of razor plates, essentially. I'm just tying razor plates in my hair. (laughs) Uh, So she formally introduces herself. She's Isabel Lightwood, and she lives in the Institute. And uh, Clary's like, she's not, I don't know what she's wearing, probably just like a hospital gown, nightgown type thing. And she's like, oh, where are my clothes? And Isabel goes, oh, Jace burnt them. Okay. <laughs> Which is because they had demon blood on them. Oh. But the Clary goes, so uh, is Jace always rude or is it just, just to, like, to humans? And Isabel goes, yeah, he's always rude. It's part of what makes him so sexy. Ladies, if a man is rude... That shouldn't be your standard for sexy. That should be a red flag. Ugh. Anyway, so Clary's like, um, you're not brother and sister? And she's like, no, his parents are dead, so he lives with us. Oh. Like, in the Institute. Okay. 
Um, mom died in childbirth. Dad was murdered at age 10. Jace witnessed it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Isabel goes to find Hodge, and Clary wanders off. And she just finds Jace looking like he, you know, just rolled out of bed, basically. Looking like a gorgeous rolled out of bed look. Playing a grand piano. Oh, my God. Because, of course. So he escorts her to Hodge and explains that, like, yeah, this is technically a research institute, but it's also um, a kind of safe place for shadow hunters. So if there's... Like, shadow hunters in the area who need a place to rest. They have, like, a whole, you know, B&B situation. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the only people that live there full-time are Jace, Isabel, Alec, who's the older brother we met at the club, and Max, who is their younger brother, and their two parents, and Hodge, who is, like, the groundskeeper running the institute. Mm-hmm. Right now, the parents and Max are in Idris, which is a the Shadow Hunter home country, and they're there on this diplomatic trip for this peace accords. Uh, and Clary's like, "I'm sorry, the country of what now? <laughs> Idris, like Idris Elba, <laughs> and it's a country that mundanes cannot enter or perceive." Um, and it's it located between Germany and France, but only Shadow Hunters. And I guess downworlders can access it. Okay. And this is when you meet everyone's favorite sassy cat. Well, actually, no, there's another sassy cat everyone loves. One of everyone's favorite sassy cats, Church. He's a Persian cat that lives in the Institute. And he's very cute. Aww. He's uh, my favorite character. Yep. Uh, and Jace brings her into this tr- gorgeous library, like every library in fiction. Uh-huh. And she meets Hodge, who is an older scholarly type, and he has a pet raven named Hugo. Hugo. We. Oui. <laughs> I was thinking Victor Hugo. <laughs> so anyway, Alec is also in there, and he refuses to believe that Clary, a human child from New Jersey, killed that spider demon on her own. And Clary is like, hey, buddy, I'm from Brooklyn and I'm turning 16 in a few days. Very on brand for a born and raised New Yorker yeah, to say, be like, I'm not fucking from New Jersey. Don't like that. Yeah. no. And I'm not crazy. a child. I'm a teenager. We do love a YA protagonist being like, I'm not, you can't treat me like a child anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> like in last, my book last week where she was like, I'm 16. You can't keep me home. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not an adult. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Jason and Alec are bickering, and Alec's like, I don't care if we're... Another word that... It's not a real word. It's a parabatai. Parabatai? Parabatai. I don't... One of those two. Pick and choose your own. P-A-R-A-B-A-T-A-I. Whatever. Parabatai. Um, he's like, even though we're parabatai, you're getting on my nerves. Uh, and Hodge is like, all right, settle down, children. We need to notify the clave, uh, which is the kind of governing body of shadow hunters mm-hmm. in Idris, uh, about the situation since a mundane has been brought to the institute, which is not supposed to happen. And Jace is like, hey, she's not actually mundane, or at Mundy, as they referred to her in the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you see. I, when we were escaping from demons, I put a rune on her, and Hodge immediately freaks out, 
Mm-hmm. And Jace is like, it's fine. See, it already faded. And Clary's like, yeah, like, I just have the tiny little, like, kind of scar remnant of it. Uh, and Hodge is like, Jace, you know better than putting marks on humans. You could have turned her into one of the Forsaken. And Alec is like, yeah, bro, covenant marks kill mundanes. And Jace is like, well, she didn't die. So, so she must have shadow hunter blood in her. And she, he's like, maybe one of your parents was a shadow hunter and you just don't know. And she's like, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Impossible. You mean my father, who I never met, could possibly be, or my mom, who's ever talked about her past? No. <laughs> so Clary's very upset and freaking out. So she calls Luke and he's uh, a little aggressive and snippy with her and says, uh, she can't come to his place and he lashes out at her. And so it's not a good phone call. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's very frustrated and upset. So Hodge is like, all right, I don't think the two teen boys should be involved in this discussion anymore. <laughs> and so he speaks to her in private and is like asking about her parents. And she's like, I don't think any of my parents, either of my parents are tied to this world. My dad, like, was a soldier in the Middle East. He's dead. And my mom isn't, there's no way she's involved in this because she hates fairy tales and fantasy things. Like, I didn't get to read fairy tales. She doesn't even like that I read manga. She didn't get to read fairy tale? Well, she, well, that fairy fairy tale came after. Well, I don't know when the manga manga start. Maybe she reads fairy tale. Hold, please. Fairy. But her mom hates Disney movies. No, it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm. 2010. Nope. 2006. Sorry, that was. She might. Um, she's a Trigun fan. Ooh. Maybe she was reading um, Rave Master. <laughs> Maybe. The previous. Yeah. But yeah, the, the manga started in 2006. She, so she could it's be. possible. She could be. So Clary goes over everything that happened, and Hodge is really surprised to hear that. The demon mentioned Valentine when it was saying, like, that he was going to eat her and, like, Valentine wouldn't mind mm-hmm. and explains that he was a shadow hunter who was killed 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's, there's no way he's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, he explains that someone could be trying to stir up trouble by kind of invoking the memory of Valentine because of these peace accords that Jace mentioned because the Lightwoods are participating in it. And it's peace negotiations between shadow hunters and downworlders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he explains what shadow hunters are. Legend says they're ring the bell, Mary, ring the bell for Nephilim. Ding, ding, ding. No. no. Legend says shadow hunters are Nephilim, <laughs> created thousands of years ago when demons overran the world. A warlock summoned the angel Patch. No. <laughs> no. It was the uh, the angel Raziel. Raziel? Ra- Raziel. Sure. Ra- <laughs> it was one of the one of the Evangelion angels. Raziel? <laughs> R-A-Z-I-E-L. Yeah, Raziel. Yeah, then that. She did her research on, like, <laughs> hush, The hush. keeper of secrets and the angel of mysteries. <sighs> I love it. Wow, he sounds cool. Yeah. So a warlock summoned him. And Raziel mixed some of his own blood with uh, the blood of humans, uh, human men, in a cup, and then gave it back to those men to drink from. And those men became shatter- the, the start of the Shadow Hunter bloodline. Mm-hmm. 
And this cup became known as the Mortal Cup. And no one's sure how true this is in terms of the angel involvement, but there is a cup that can be used to create more shadow hunters by drinking from it. Mm. Uh, But Valentine destroyed this cup before dying. His death, he uh, burned himself, his wife, and his child to death. That's not good. And they say that the land that that house sat on is now cursed. And Clary's like, are curses real? And Hodge is like, yeah, the, the, the clave can, you know, sometimes dish out curses as punishment. Did she really have to ask? I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she did. So anyway, you find out that Valentine and his group, which was called The Circle, um, during the last accord, they murdered many shadow hunters and downworlders. And like in our human world, it is illegal to kill another human in shadow hunter law. Shadow hunters cannot kill other shadow hunters. Oh, murder's illegal? Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and uh, so Valentine, he was doing all this bullshit because he despised all downworlders and didn't want the peace accords to happen. Uh, but his insurrection backfired because the downworlders saw all these other shadow hunters protect them and go again, like fight back against Valentine, and they realized that they could be allies. So Valentine did the opposite of what he was planning, and then died. <laughs> yeah. Um, and anyway, so then end of the history lesson. Hodge says that Clary can go back to her apartment to grab a few things as long as she takes Jace uh, with her. And he says that the Silent Brothers should see Clary soon to try to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And then he starts writing letters to send out about the situation. And we cut to his perspective, and he's having total PTSD to the insurrection. Nice. he was there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> 16 years ago. <laughs> Um, so Clary finds Jace and Alec in the Wicked Sweet Weapons room. I want to go in there. So many different weapons, all looking amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jace agrees to go to the apartment so that they can search for any clue if her family is tied to the Shadow Hunters. And Alec seems very annoyed at Clary. She's not really sure why, but he doesn't seem to like her. So Clary asked Jace how he knew she had Shadowhunter blood in her before she, before he put the rune on her. Mm-hmm. And he said that he guessed because it seems like the logical conclusion to why she could see past their glamour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was like, how sure were you? He goes, oh, I was 90% sure everything would be fine. So she slaps him and goes, that's for the other 10%. Oh my gosh. And I mean, he deserves it. Yeah. He had no, like that was... That should that could have killed her. That was definitely yeah, definitely justified. Yeah. Um. So they take the train to Brooklyn, and because Jace isn't using glamour, uh, all the uh, yeah, everyone can see him, and there are these you know girls that are checking him out, and Clary's like, I I mean I guess he's attractive. Um. And Jace is extremely confident and snarky. Like he talks like talks up his look, talks up himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some Gojo vibes. <laughs> Including the complex. Like, you got a bit of a god complex that will come up. Nice. Yep. Um, yeah, but so he's really cocky about his looks. He's, you know, flirtatious and witty and well, you know, like, he's 
the, the vocabulary he uses, he's like a very well spoken, like classic YA love interest. <laughs> and anyway, Jace explains that he and Alec are, as I struggle to pronounce, parabatai, parabatai, um, which refers to two shadow hunters who are closer than siblings. And he says that uh, their fathers actually also had this relationship. And I don't know at what point they explain how... I think it's in the sequel series, but it's, like, I think an actual oath that two Shadowhunters take to kind of bind them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so then they finally get to Clary's apartment, and they don't find anything useful, but then this strange-looking giant monster attacks, and Jace takes quite the beating from it, but he manages to kill it, and they escape to, like, the, the downstairs of the apartment building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jace heals himself with runes, and Madame Dorothea shows up and is like, hey, don't go back up there because there are more of the Forsaken. And when you find out the Forsaken are basically what happens when you put, like, runes on a human. Yeah, that's what they said. Did they already say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier. Well, I said that earlier, but, like, that was, like, the hinting to it. But this is uh, the explanation. Uh, they turn into these, like, crazy monster things. Yes, got it. Yes. And Jace is very confused because... They looked into Madame Dorothea when they were trying to figure out what Clary's connection to the Shadowhunter world could be, uh-huh. and everything turned up that she was a human fake psychic. Anyway, so Madame Dorothea is like, hey, Clary, your mom's gone. She's not dead, but she's gone. You should just give up hope of getting her back. Uh. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> Madame Dorothea is like, yes, I know what the clave is. I don't want to get involved. The clave has never done anything to help me. And then Jace threatens to get the Silent Brothers involved. Um, And so this makes her agree to speak with them. So they go into her apartment shop, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Madame Dorothea, like, refers to Jace by his full name, Jace Wayland. And he's very unsettled because he hasn't introduced himself to her or Mm -hmm. Clary. But she knows his full name. Um, and so she offers them tea, and Jace is like, oh, I don't, I don't drink Earl Grey, I don't like bergamot, and Clary's like, you know what bergamot is? I've never met a teen boy that knows what that is, and he goes, this is verbatim, I'm not like other guys. No. (laughs) Yes. Um, and so then Jace is doing all his, you know, witty banter and stuff, and Madame Dorothea says, if you were half as funny as you think you are, you'd be twice as funny as you are. And Clary thinks it's funny, and Jace is confused. So for <laughs> as witty as he is, he can't process it. No. Uh, and so Madame Dorothy explains that she is a human, but her mom is was a witch. Uh, and Jace is confused because witches and warlocks are sterile because they're a cross between the product of a demon and a human. Mm-hmm. So... The product, like, yeah, they they can't procreate themselves. Yeah, uh, so she's like, well, yeah, I'm adopted. I'm just straight up a human as an adopted child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she goes on to she like she has some psychic gift abilities, like the stuff that can be taught, um, which isn't much. Yeah. So she reads their tea leaves and says that Jace will fall in love with the wrong person, that there's violence in his future, and he has an enemy. And Jace goes, only one? That's great news. Oh. 
Uh, and Clary's can't be read. She says that the images are all jumbled and nothing makes sense. There's something blocking her mind. And this is, then we get the, the revelation, Mary, Mary, oh, hold on to anything. Because guess what? Clary's mom was a shadow hunter before they moved into this apartment when Clary was a baby. What? Yes! No way! Clary's mom, Jocelyn, the artist! I she never w- saw that what? coming! What? What a crazy reveal! Whoa. Oh, man! Listeners, can you believe I'll it? I'll never recover from this. <laughs> Top 10 anime reveals. Number 10. Oh, my God. Um, And at this point, Jace figures out that um, this place is a sanctuary for downworlders. And so he's furious because it's like, in his mind, it's a place for criminal downworlders to hide out. And Mad Dorothea is like, hey, slow the roll, kid. I'm not here helping crazy criminals. Mm-hmm. Like, even my mom being a witch and adopting a human child, the, if the clave knew, like, I would have been taken away from her and she was a loving mother. Like, yeah. your rules are just crazy. I'm just helping out people in need. Yeah. Like, Clary's mom. Yeah. Um, and I, she said that Clary's mom showed up looking to hide her and Clary. And also asked Madame Dorothea to keep an eye out or, like, an ear out for any mention of the name Valentine. Mm-hmm. So then she does tarot card readings. Um, and Clary notices that the, the art on the cards look very familiar. And she realizes that her mom made the deck, like, painted them herself. Uh, and Clary draws a card, um, which is the Ace of Cups. And it's, like, it's one of those things where, like, Clary's, like, oh, is this, like, a good thing? She's, like, could be good, could be bad. (laughs) Anyway, and then they find out that there's this portal that can be used to escape to other locations located in the shop. Kind of, like, ley line. But it's not on the ley lines, but that kind of thing. And... The only reason Clary's mom didn't use it that night the attack happened was she didn't want to go anywhere without Clary. Mm-hmm. So Clary's really upset at herself. Mm-hmm. And then the dumb bitch jumps into the portal, not knowing where it's going to go, and Jace freaks out, Great. jumps in with her. That's Luckily, fun. they could end up anywhere in the world. They could end up in the Shadowhunter country. They just end up by the Williamsburg Bridge, and Clary's like, wait, this is like right where Luke lives. Oh. And Jace is like, oh, you you must have been thinking about him when you jumped in. And he's like, lucky. <laughs> like, we are still in Brooklyn. <laughs> Not unlike Nocturne Alley. <laughs> yeah. <When>. Diagon Alley. <laughs> uh, anyway, they get to Luke's house, and um, Simon is hiding in the shrubbery. <laughs> okay. He's been worried sick the past couple, like, past few days, because La- Clary just got up from the table... At the poetry night disappeared, and then he got the news about the, the apartment being ransacked and Clary's mom being missing. Well, he he thinks she, like he doesn't know that yet, but he had a suspicion something was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's like, "Oh, but turns out you were fine, just shacking up with a dyed blonde wannabe goth guy. You probably met at pandemonium." And Clary goes, "We aren't shacking up." And you want to guess Jace's reaction to the statement? Something stupid, but we. I'm a natural blonde. <laughs> uh, and Simon says he's been suspicious because. Um, 
Luke was like, oh, Clary and her mom just went out of town to visit relatives, and Simon's like, literally, Clary and I talked two days ago about the fact that she has no relatives. I've known her for ten years. I would know. Luke, you gotta do better, bud. Um, And then he also, when he was spying on Luke, saw him packing up a bag with weapons. (laughs) And he was like, some of them looked weird. I think one of them was, like, glowing. Oh, It wasn't a lightsaber. Time to go for his LARP. (laughs) That'd be an excellent cover story for someone who was, like, secretly... I I feel like that must have been a line in Buffy. Like... If you were, let's say you're secretly like a demon hunter, you'd be like, yeah, I'm just gonna go LARPing. I'm, I feel like that had to have been an actual line in an episode of Buffy. It would be an amazing cover. Yeah. <laughs> there is a whole episode of Supernatural where they LARP. Nice. <laughs> anyway, it's good. Um, so because of like clave code, Jace is forbidden from telling the truth, but... If- Clary, she's not tied to any oath. Mm-hmm. So she explains everything to Simon, who surprisingly takes everything well and just goes, it's like d d It is similar. Not quite. Not quite. Not quite. And Jace is like, it's like, what now? He's never heard of D&D. Of course he has. He, that's Shadowhunters, despite, like, they are very out of touch with pop culture and so there's a lot of like Clary was like oh like I'm gonna steal something and like set their, your thing and sell it on eBay and he's like what is eBay? <laughs> so a lot of those kind of jokes. Mm. So they break into Luke's house mm-hmm. and they find things that were like in Clary's apartment like a, a photograph and stuff um, so it's clear he went by after Clary's attack because of stuff she saw when the spider attacked her mm-hmm. um, and if they have to like hide in the closet or something because Luke shows up with two men disguised as warlocks because they're wearing like official warlock robes mm-hmm. um, but they're not warlocks they quickly realize from conversation because they said they killed the warlocks to steal these disguises and they reference Valentine having Jocelyn, but she hasn't woken up yet, so they can't interrogate her about where the cup is. Um, and they say that Valentine has people looking for the child that they saw pictures of, because they didn't know that Jocelyn had a child. And Luke admits that, yes, Clarissa exists, but she's probably dead, and he hasn't heard from her. Mm-hmm. And Luke is very insistent. He doesn't know where the cup is. And he says that he and Jocelyn weren't that close. They just formed a bit of an alliance because they were both two outcasts, like former shadow hunters on the run, essentially, like mm-hmm. in hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says that he's not going to join Valentine, but he also won't get in Valentine's way. He mm-hmm. just doesn't want to be involved in anything. And then Luke leaves with these two guys. And Jace reveals that those two men talking with Luke are the ones who killed his father. Oh. But he was 10 years old. And they're like, we gotta get back to the Institute. And so they start walking, and Simon's like, oh, like, where are we going? And Jace's like, well, we're gonna take the L train. <laughs> and Simon goes, Demon Slayers, take the subway? Jace's like, that's quicker than driving in the city. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> um... But if this was Blue Bloods, if they were in Williamsburg and they were going to take the subway, she would have been like, oh, they got on the C train. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they show up to the Institute and Simon's like, why are we at this decrepit, like, out of business church? And that's what it looks like with Glamour. 
Um, but they, you know, they go in and the, the glamour's removed for Simon. And Church, our favorite cat, is there. And Jace is like, hey, buddy, take me to Alec. So Church is like, hey, buddy, I got you. And starts walking. Uh, and Simon's like, uh, I don't like cats. And Jace goes, knowing Church, he probably doesn't like you either. <laughs> Listen, he's probably not wrong. But Church brings them straight to the kitchen where Isabel's cooking. And Isabel freaks out because Simon and other humans there. And she's just like, Jace, are you just trying to get in trouble at this point? Uh, and he turns to Church and goes, you Judas betraying me like that? Oh my God. I told you to bring me to Alec. He quickly realizes, though, that Isabel has been sneaking church food, so he probably just wanted more food. Mm. But Isabel's cooking is horrible. Like, Jace is like, none of you eat anything she's cooking. We're getting takeout. <laughs> and they're all, and Jace is like, sorry, I'm not hungry. She's like, it's not that bad. He's like, it is. Anyway, Simon immediately is crushing on Isabel. Uh, and so they go in the kitchen. So, like, they stay in the kitchen. Simon's like, I'll have your food. And Jace's like, all right, you're going to fucking die, oh. but good luck with that. R.E.P. <laughs> Pretty much. And Jace and Clary are like, you know what? We're going to go find Hodge. He's like, church, if you betray me one more time, it's over. Bring me to Hodge. <laughs> um, and on the way, uh, I guess uh, Clary asks a question about, like, Isabel's cooking um, in... Jace mentions that typically Isabel's mom cooks and she's an amazing cook, but since she's out of town, they're kind of left to fend for themselves now. Mm-hmm. Clara's like, oh, like, why hasn't her mom taught her to cook? Uh, and Jace says that it was only recently that women could become shadow hunters. And in fact, like, Isabel's mom was one of the first women to train as a shadow hunter. Um, and it's traditionally, uh, Women of, like, Shadowhunter bloodline, like, in the Cleave, had done things like helping with weapon maintenance, helping with, like, all this, like, mm-hmm. home-type stuff. Yeah. And um, she wants to make sure that Isabel has an equal opportunity with the men. So she figured that she should not teach Isabel how to cook because if Isabel becomes a good cook, someone's going to try to make her stay home in a kitchen. <laughs> What she failed to realize is that this girl needs to eat. <laughs> yeah, that's what she failed to realize. Um, and then you find out that Isabel's, like, one of the best shadow hunters. Like, she could kick Jace and Alex's ass anytime, probably. Mm-hmm. So they get to Hodge, and Jace and Clary explain what happened uh, with, like, Luke and the two shadow hunters. And Hodge reveals, because they, they overheard their names, and Hodge reveals that those two men were part of the circle... The, you know, Valentine's crew. Yes. As was Hodge, and as was Clary's mom. Oh. Clary's mom... Yeah? ...was married to Valentine. Dun, dun, dun! And we get to part two, called Easy is the Descent. So, it comes back later, because (laughs) it's been a while since I've gotten mad over Latin. Oh my god, since Blue Bloods, really. Yes. So this is the quote from Virgil, the Aeneid. Faculus descensus averno, noctis aqua dies patet atri janua ditis, sed revocara gradum superasqua evaderad oras hoc opus hic labor est. So the only part of this that matters is that first line, which translates to easy is the descent. It will come back, but remember, it is Faculus Descensus, the, I guess, kind of butchered pronunciation that people would do now is Averno, but 
Averno is how it's written. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. So now we get Hodge explaining the backstory of the circle. He says that Luke was the first to leave the circle shortly uh, followed by Michael Whalen, who is Jace's dad. Hodge and the Lightwoods stayed till the end. Um, but after the insurrection failed, they worked with the Clave to find the few loyal members that were left and received clemency. But by clemency, they mean Hodge is cursed by the Clave to never be able to leave the Institute. So he can never return to the city of glass in Idris, his home country. The Lightwoods received a bit more leniency for a number of reasons, including they were married with a young baby, which was Alec. Um, we find out Clary's mom, uh, her real name is Jocelyn Fairchild. Wow. Wow. And uh, Valentine is looking for the cup to create an entire army of shadow hunters. The cup can only be used on children, and most die in the transition. But Valentine is insane and would willingly sacrifice thousands or millions of children for the sake of creating a small army. Oh. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's his villainous plot. Potentially murdering many children to turn them into a shadow hunter army. That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's a good thing. Yes. Um, Hodge says that they should leave this matter to experienced shadow hunters, but Jace wants to do something, and so does Clary. So they want to look for information on where Valentine might be keeping Jocelyn and where the cup is so they can get to it before he does and then somehow rescue her mom. Uh, and Jace suggests that they have the Silent Brothers visit Clary to figure out what is blocking her mind, and maybe they can figure something out But like, repress memories or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we find out that the shadow, the shadow, the silent brothers are shadow hunters that have, that use these like crazy runes that like totally extend their life. They're, they're basically their body is just a meat suit if they're in the mind. Like they communicate through basically projecting thoughts into people's minds mm-hmm. um, and things like that. I love the silent brothers. <laughs> uh, Clary isn't too sure about this. She's like, they sound a little suspicious. Don't know how I feel about someone probing my mind. Um, and then Isabella escorts Simon home. Clary goes to bed. She has a strange dream, wakes up. Brother Jeremiah of the Silent Brothers has arrived. Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. Anyway, when he moves, like, not even his cloak rustles. Like, it's complete silence. Mm-hmm. And in the mind, well, at least he's projecting thoughts. She, I think she's speaking out loud. They talk about Clary's mom. And the reason she stole the cup was that she found out Valentine's plan, like, for the insurrection 16 years ago, Mm -hmm. and didn't want him to have it, but she also didn't trust the clave to hold on to it. And then he says that he can't access her memories because someone has blocked them. Again, this is what we keep getting to. We know there's a block on her mind. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) he can't do it so she has to come to Bone City and stand before the Brotherhood Clary and Jace leave together they talk about Simon and Isabel and how Isabel's gonna be over playing with him in like two days and like break his heart um and Jace is being extremely sarcastic and witty as usual and Clary says sarcasm is the last refuge of the imaginatively bankrupt and Jace says, I can't help it. I use my rapier, rap, 
how do you say it in English? What do you... Rapier? R-A-P-I-E-R? Oh, rape. Rapier? Rapier. Wit to hide my inner pain. No one dies like this. Especially not teenagers. This teenager does. I'm not like other guys. Anyway, so then Jace explains his view on downworlders. He says there are no good demons. Um, and that with the other downworlders, you know, they're all, to like some extent, humans. Like they're either, you know, have a human parent or they were humans that got turned into a downworlder. So they have that level of humanity to themselves unlike mm-hmm. demons which are straight up just demonic and um the shadow hunters are there to keep any of the bad downholders in line and he says that shadow hunters are uh dwindling in numbers because they often die young and clary goes don't you reproduce chase says yeah it's one of our favorite activities oh my god <laughs> so they go to a cemetery with brother jeremiah and <laughs> On a tomb is written, Bacillus Descensus Averni. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of this section, we established that it's Bacillus Descensus Averno. Uh-huh. But suddenly now in the book, it's Averni, which basically changes what it's being used as in a sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it shouldn't be Averni. And I don't know why it is when she had the quote that she took it from. At the beginning of the chapter, with it yeah. correctly written. Yeah. But in multiple spots, now it's different. So what was the editor doing? This is Croatan all over again. No, God. No, let's not go back there. <laughs> I'm going to fight publishing companies and YA authors. Uh, at least they're editors. If there's any foreign anything, please just look it up. Fact check, Fact people. check it. Come on, it's it's really it's not that hard. Yeah. So technically, there's the incorrect grammar, but the reason it's on the tombstone is this is the motto of shadow hunters, and it means the descent to hell is easy. Okay. Yeah. So they enter through a tomb into the city of bones, which is where the brothers live and where the dead shadow hunters rest. And shadow hunters who die uh, like in battle. Uh, are cremated and their ashes are used to build things in the city because they think that they're, it'll protect them because it's the strength of the shadow hunters. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she goes to a room full of the more brothers and they look into her mind and they realize that the block is stronger than they thought and removing it themselves would kill her. The only way they think that she can get the block removed is if she goes to the one who put it there. And the only thing that they can tell when they look at the block is that there's a name that they can kind of read or hear. And it's Magnus Bane. So Jason Clary meet up with Alec, Isabel, and Simon at a diner for Downworlders. Because Simon's just totally along with Isabel now. And it's like a diner they all love. There are all these fun, like the nice Downworlders are there. They're having a grand time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking about this Magnus Bane guy. And Isabel's like, well... Someone invited me to this party in Brooklyn being hosted by a warlock named Magnus. They're like, how many Magnuses that are warlocks are there in New York City? (laughs) So um, she has like, it was like a little invitation that someone wrote, like handed her. And they find out from the invitation that Magnus Bane is the high warlock of Brooklyn. I love this man. The high high warlock. Yes. I I need to know more. I think they explain how who he took the position over from. I think I don't know. We'll get there sometime in our podcast. 
So they go back to the Institute to wait till the party starts, because the party, it's a New York party, guys. It starts at midnight. And while they're at the Institute, Clary finds a picture from when the circle was just started. Uh, Valentine, her mom, and all the others are, like, all around 17 years old in the picture. Jace looks nothing like his father, and Hodge says it's because he looks like his mom. Mm-hmm. And um, then she's hanging out with Jace, and Jace tells this story about a little boy who was given a falcon to train by his father. It was a, a falcon, like, not not from, like, a, a breeder or pet shop or anything like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a falcon from the wild, so it was absolutely insane. Um, but the boy was very patient, um, very nice to the bird, didn't try to, like, tie it down and, like, hold it down in any way. It was just, like, establish a relationship and basically, you know, became, like, partners with the bird. And the okay. kid, like, like instead of, like, whatever they put to, like, no, like, they, they didn't do restraints. Like, he just taught the bird to work with him. Yeah. And he was very proud of himself. And he showed his dad what he did. And the dad goes and kills the falcon um, and tells the little boy... I told you to turn it obedient, but instead you taught the bird to care for you. And then he leaves, and Clary's like, wait, like, yesterday you told me your dad bought you a falcon one. Chase, was this about you? I'm like, yes, Clary. He just just told you he was psychologically abused by his father. I'm glad you picked up on it. Anyway, Isabel shows up. Get ready for the party. Makeover time. Oh, yeah. Classic makeover. Makeover. They have a nice heart to heart. And Clary's like, hey, is Alec gay? And Isabel's like, you cannot tell anyone. She's like, I don't even know how you figured it out. You can't tell anyone, not even Jace. Like, few shadow hunters are accepting of people mm-hmm. being gay. Mm-hmm. Like, Younger people might be cooler with it, but, like, our parents and other people, absolutely not. Yeah. Take that secret to the grave. Uh, anyway, so she makes Clary look all hot, and Jace notices. Of course. And uh, they get to the party, and they see these motorcycles nearby, and they're like, oh, there must be vampires at the party, because vampires love motorcycles, because it's a quick getaway. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Jace and Alec are being all sus by, the, like, over, like, looking and touching the motorcycles. Uh, and they're like, don't worry, no, we're fine. Uh, anyway, Magnus Bane opens the door, and he's like, I don't remember inviting Shadow Hunters. And we're like, oh, we haven't invited. He's like, oh, I guess I was drunk. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, <laughs> part of his personality reminds me of Eugene from Try Guys. <laughs> but physically, I the best way I can describe his hair is I kind of picture it as, like, Kakashi, if Kakashi had black hair. Like, it's, like, that voluminous, cool look, but he's black. Yeah, um, and Clary says by the shape of his eyes and his skin tone, he must be part Asian. Uh, and he has heavy eyeliner going on, a cool outfit, like, there's glitter involved. Mm-hmm. He's exactly what you expect the high warlock of Brooklyn to look like. <laughs> he is the icon of this series. Everybody, like... She ended up writing a series just about him, I'm pretty sure, because of how popular he was. I love that. Yeah. And because he's a warlock, he has the extremely extended lifespan, so he's in that 1800s prequel series. Mm. So he's just, like, a staple of this whole series. Yeah. And he's fantastic, as we'll see. 
So, like uh, everyone else, he's very witty and snarky. <laughs> and a vampire shows up, uh, and he's furious because someone damaged his motorcycle. He's causing a scene, accusing werewolves. And Magnus was like, I didn't even invite werewolves tonight because I knew y'all were going to fight if I did. But then he gets very intense and scary for a moment. So the vampire leaves. And they're like, oh, so that's why this guy's hot shit. He's, it's one of the, it's like the classic, like, Urahara type moment uh, for you Bleach fans. Where when he, <laughs> the split second when he got serious instead of uh-huh. his, like, lackadaisy. Yeah. <laughs> that moment happens. Nice. Yes. And Alec and Jace are like, yeah, we, that was totally us that fucked the motorcycle. <laughs> but, um, and Clary notices in, like, in that moment when he, like, snaps that Magnus's eyes, because I guess he's also, like, his eyes were not that opened enough for her to see what his pupils look like. Because she, in this moment she can see that he, or maybe it was glamour, I don't know. But his eyes are that like cats like the slits <gasps> dun, dun, dun. we are anyway so isabel's grinding on simon uh then jace and clary i don't know where alec is i think actually i think he, he's just like standing silently with jace and clary anyway the three of them confront magnus with the block on clary's mind and he's like that's what i get for my hubris i always have to sign things gotta be <laughs> like i should have known <laughs> Should have known that my flair for the dramatics would catch up to me one day. Uh, he reveals, he's like, yeah, I know who Clary is. I've known this whole time. Um, your mom asked me to put this block on your mind so you'd never, like, basically a 24-7 glamour where she does not realize that she's seeing, that she has the sight. Mm-hmm. And that he has to reapply it for every two years. So she has no memory of ever meeting this guy, but... Every two years, he comes by, and it's just like, whoop, forget. But, and, and he's like, yeah, like, I was way in Tanzania. By the time I got back, all the shit had already gone down. Like, mm. it was too late. So that's, like, why she suddenly is seeing these things again. Uh-huh. Is because it was, like, getting time for the reapplying, the glamour, or the, the blo- mind block. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't around. Mm-hmm. And they're, they start, they're talking about how... Jocelyn was taken by Valentine because he's looking for the cup. And he's like, look, I don't know about the cup or the other mortal instruments. And Clary's like, the other what now? And he's like, oh, you know, like, when the, like, the angels supposedly gave three gifts to the first shadow hunters, uh, the cup and the mirror, which are missing, and then there's a sword, which the Silent Brothers have. Anyway, he's like, sorry, I don't know what I can do for you, because removing this block would be so complicated because of how long it's been going. It's a very, it's very great work on my part. <laughs> but he's like, what I can help you with is I have this gray book of, like, all the runes Shadowhunters should know, some they shouldn't know. Any rune is in this book. And Clary's like, it's, it's a green book, though. And Jay says something like, if take like something literary like he's like basically like if taking things literally was like a, a d- deadly disease you would have died as a child like it was <laughs> some weird remark and he's like explains the name of the book and it's like trans it's like oh, something but it's like one of those lines where i'm like no one talks like this Anyway, so he shows her a remembrance rune and, like, so she can put it on. There's no immediate effect, but she also, you know, she looks through the book at other runes and stuff. Uh, And then they go to find Isabel, and she's freaked out because Simon has turned into a rat after drinking some potion that was, he thought was, like, punch or something. Oh. 
Um, and so Isabel's really upset. And Alex's just like, oh, man, I don't know what you saw in this guy to begin with. And Clary's like, that's my best friend. <laughs> uh, so she's pissed and, like, has an argument with Isabel. And Magnus is like, oh, I can't reverse this. It just wears off in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Um, and then before they leave, Magnus is like, Clary, like... I know your mom wouldn't want you putting yourself into danger like this. Like, she went through all of this to protect you from this world. And also remember, the reason your mom left her past and has been in hiding isn't the downworlders, it's those shadow hunters that you're spending time with. Anyway, then they go to leave, but uh, Simon is missing. She'd put him in the backpack, but someone had snuck him, like, stolen Simon, the rat. Uh, so they go back in, they're like, Magnus is, like, an all-powerful warlock. Well, not all-powerful, as we've seen, but <laughs> he should be able to help us. And, um, what I forgot to mention is, uh, why do you think this party was in honor of? It was his cat's birthday! Um, but the cat ran away before the party started. No! But it's okay, because he's reappeared and his name is Chairman Meow. Wow. The best cat name I've ever heard. Well, Chairman Meow. On the list. I am adopting a cat uh, the day before this episode comes out, so he's not going to be called Chairman Meow. We'll have new cat pics on the Instagram. Yes, um, new Tobin pics on our future Patreon. Yeah, those you know, any Tobins on the Instagram will be Tobins. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Magnus is like, oh, I saw some of the, like, teen vampires leaving with a rat. They probably just thought it was either straight up a rat or, like, a downworlder that got turned into a rat. So, they're probably just taking it from you to fuck with you. They definitely didn't know it was human. Once they figure out he's a human, they're just gonna kill him. So, Clary and Jace go on this rescue mission while Isabel and Alec go back to the Institute. And Magnus says you can find them uptown at the Hotel Dumont. The sign of Hotel Dumont has been vandalized, so it says Hotel Dumont. Wow. Wow. Clever. Clever. And they're casing the place when this Latino boy around their age shows up and is like, you shouldn't go inside. It's dangerous. And from talking to this boy, Jace realizes that he definitely knows more about what's going on inside. And the boy, who we find out is named Raphael, says that, yes, he knows about the vampires. Uh, His brother went in there one day looking for monsters and never came out. He's like, you don't want to go in there. Like, the vampire, like, don't do it. Uh, But then he finally agrees to help them when he realizes that they're armed. And he sees, like, Jace's runes and the weapons. And he goes, oh, I've heard rumors of you people. And I'm like, that should have been your first red flag, that this human boy, like, sure, he knows vampires, but I don't think the vampires are telling him about Shadowhunters. You should have, that should have been a red flag. That he's yeah. like, oh, I've, yeah, okay. But they don't see a red flag. And he leads them through the hotel. And then finally, Clary and Jace both notice that he has this scar around his neck. And Jace puts it together that he is a vampire. And that scar is from where... Uh, a cross burnt him and that he must have been like like gone to see his family and was trying to pretend to still be human so he was wearing his cross even though crosses burn vampires Mm -hmm. anyway so they attack him but there are other vampires around too so they try to take 
Raphael hostage. And they're like, we're just here for the rat. And they're all like, you're just here for the rat? What the fuck is happening? And they're like, they, they try to negotiate, but Jace is, uh, Jace is standing in the way of negotiations because they want Clary and Jace to promise they will not hurt um, Raphael in exchange for them letting them take Simon out. But Jace cannot do that because oaths are very binding in mm. sacred shadow hunters. So they just fight instead. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and they manage to get Simon. And they're trying to escape. It's not looking good for them, though. And luckily, werewolves, or as Rafael says, Los Niños de la Luna, show up. <laughs> he just yells out, Los Niños de la Luna. <laughs> Those good old moon boys. <laughs> One of them transforms into a human and says they're there for Clary. And Clary's like, I'm sorry, I don't know any werewolves. <laughs> what? You're here for me. I'm here for the rat. <laughs> and uh, fighting breaks out because vampires and werewolves have a huge ongoing feud. And Clary, Jace, and Simon escape on a flying motorcycle. <laughs> because the, these motorcycles have been uh, reconfigured with demon energy so some of them can fly. Uh, but it crashes and Simon and Jace sustain some injuries. Simon's back in human form. He's fine now. Um, uh, back at the Institute, Hodge is pissed at everyone. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Fair. Um, Simon and Jace are recovering in the hospital, infirmary, wing, whatever. Uh, Alec confronts Clary and says that she should leave because she's getting Jace into danger. She's like, hold up. How is it my fault that he's doing these things? He's a shadow hunter. And Alec says that he's enabling this complex that Jace has where he feels like he needs to be the one to save the world and just puts himself into these situations for the glory and for saving people and being around her is causing him to just continue doing his crazy reckless shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love to see it. So they continue arguing and Clary's like, you're just being like this because you're in love with Jace. And Alec storms off. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Clary and Simon have this nice bonding scene where he comes to her, the room she's staying in and they're like, we good, we good, yeah, like, cute little moment. Clary thinks they're having a nice friendship bonding moment. Um, Simon, we'll find out later. Anyway, <laughs> Simon crashes on Clary's bed, so she's like, well, I gotta go find somewhere else to be, because this boy is just fucking snoozing on my bed. Mm-hmm. So she ends up finding Jace, who wants to celebrate her birthday, even though it's only Saturday. Um, and so they go on a picnic to the greenhouse, and they reminisce on their childhoods and birthdays. Clary said that when she was 12, she asked her mom if she could get a tattoo, and her mom said no. And Jay said that 12 is usually when shadow hunters get their first runes, so it might have been her, like, shadow hunter blood causing that urge, because that's how that works. Sure, yeah. Yeah, obviously. She's like, well, I don't think shadow hunters get a Donatello tattoo on their shoulder to cover up chicken pox marks. <laughs> that's what 12-year-old Clary wanted. And she shows that she has uh, just one chicken pox mark that's a star shape on her shoulder. Yeah. Normal. Sure. Yeah. That doesn't come in until, like, later in the series, but all right. And then they kiss, but Hugo <gasps> the Raven interrupts. Not Hugo. Hugo, and they're like, fuck, that means Hodge is coming. This is his usual thinking zone. We should get out. And they head back down to, like, the, the roommate... The, the like, dormitory area, and they're about to kiss when Simon comes out of Clary's room, and it's one of those, like, moments where Jace is like, 
what? <laughs> and then Simon's also staring at him in the hallway going like, what now? Jace is upset because he's like, damn, she's got Simon in her bedroom kissing me? Harlot. <laughs> and Simon's upset because they were clearly about to kiss. And Jace, you know, plays it off with sarcasm and Clary calls him out on it. And she's like, you always act like nothing affects you and you're just like, don't care about a thing. If, you, if, if something's bothering you, say it. And he just storms off. And then Simon admits that he has been in love with her for 10 years. And the only reason he's been hanging out with Isabel is to make her jealous. And then he leaves. <laughs> so Clary's just sitting around looking at her sketchbooks and stressed draws. And then she remembers these runes. She doesn't know where she saw them, but she remembers these runes. And she starts drawing them on the pictures. And we cut to her showing up to Jace's room. Because she's figured out where her mom hid the cup. In a painting. Mm. And uh, Clary shows Jace this picture she drew of a mug. And she draws a rune next to it. And she's able to take the mug out of the painting. So she realizes that her mom must have done this with the cup. Specifically because there was that ace of cup card Mm -hmm. um, in the tarot deck. Mm -hmm. So she's like... And that, at some point, she sees, like, a depiction of the mortal cup, and it looks the same. Mm-hmm. Or, like, very similar. And that's, she finally pieced where she's seen it before. So, like, that's where she put it for safekeeping. Madame Dorothea, and Madame, because Madame Dorothea is this, like, sanctuary space, it would have been safe. Like, no one really would have gone there looking for it or anything. Mm-hmm. So they take this news to Hodge, and they make a plan for the whole squad to go retrieve the cup. But they need to bring Simon back, because he's... The only one with a license and access to a vehicle. Um, and they don't want to risk public transit with the cup because they're like, it, 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 we need to get it to safety. Mm-hmm. They're like, we can't trust the L train with this one. <laughs> Simon begrudgingly agrees because he cares about Clary's mom. And he's like, all right, yes, like, I'll do it for her. <laughs> do it for the MILF. <laughs> Well, if I can't have her daughter. I'll have her. Um, And Hodge over, like, Hodge has kind of overheard a lot of what's going down with the Jace, Simon, Clary thing. And he's like, you know, your mom was in a pretty similar situation with this unrequited love friend situation. Luke loved her. (laughs) And her marriage to Valentine was actually part of what caused him to leave the circle and fake his own death. Clary is shocked and confused. And then they're all getting ready for... It cuts to the, the teens getting ready for this mission. And Clary killing the spider demon thing gets mentioned again. And Isabel goes... Says to Jace, Oh yeah, girls killing things get you hot and bothered. And he goes, I love anyone killing things. And my comment to this was, Pansexual Jace. <laughs> I don't care who you are. If you kill something, I'm gonna want you. <laughs> That's the opposite of Megan me being like, as long as you have a good heart. Like, yeah. As long as you kill things. Jace, there, there's a spectrum. The Megan me to Jace spectrum of just characters. <laughs> so they head back to see Madame Dorothea, and she... Um, has this witty dialogue uh, with Jace because she was like, oh, have you fallen in love with the wrong person yet? Like I predicted. And he goes, oh, I'm only in love with myself. To which she says, well, at least you don't have to worry about rejection. He goes, no, no, no. Sometimes I reject myself to keep things interesting. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, he has some Gojo vibes. 
anyway, so they revealed to Madame Dorothea that Clary's mom was Valentine's wife, and she hid the cup and the tarot card. Uh, and Dorothea is like, oh, like, let me see that. Like, she's clearly trying to get her hands on it. And Jason fooled, so she opens the portal to make a run for it, but out of the portal comes Abaddon, who is a greater demon, so mm-hmm. shit's fucked. Mm-hmm. He's like a big player in the underworld, hell, whatever, realm, demon realm, demon slayer, okay. canon, I don't sure. know. <laughs> uh, so the Shadowhunters are being demolished by this demon. Alec is down and out for the count, but who saves the day? Simon! Because he grabs Alec's bow and he manages to shoot the demon and that looks like the demon's dead. We later find out that you have to kill the demon's body and soul, essentially. So they just kind of sent it back to its realm. Mm-hmm. But thanks to Benai Barith Summer Camp, he managed to kill a demon. Those archery, the, as someone who did archery at a sleepaway camp, I can attest, I'm ready to kill a demon. <laughs> Anyway, so Alec has demon's blood in him, so I have to get back to the Institute. And Hodge is like, oh, it's too bad you didn't find the cup. And Jason and Clary are like, oh, no, it's right here. Hodge is like, oh, really? All right. <laughs> Time to betray you. <laughs> he uh, attacks. So he tells Jace, he's like, you know, you really do look just like your dad. And then knocks him out. If anyone at home is keeping track earlier in the book, what did he say? Jace looks nothing like his father, because Clary looks at the picture of Michael Whalen and is like, that doesn't look like Jace. And he's like, no, no, he doesn't look like his dad. And here he's like, you look just like your father. Hmm. Anyway, he also attacks Clary, grabs the cup. He has Clary in some kind of, like, mime box cage thing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then who comes through a portal but Valentine himself? So Valentine takes both the cup and Jace and says that Jace is being reunited with his father and leaves after breaking the curse that the clave put on Hodge. So Hodge is like, all right, I'm peacing out now. I'm free finally. And Clary manages to escape and follow him and he goes to attack her and a wolf shows up and attacks Hodge. And then a wolf, like, it looks like she's being attacked, but it's actually just, like, dragging her to safety, basically. Um, Hodge is shocked at this wolf because he recognizes it and goes, I thought you ran away. Are you here for her or me? But then Hodge is down now. He's just down. And Clary's knocked down unconscious and she wakes up in what looks like a kind of cell. She's very confused. An injured Luke is there. Turns out he is the werewolf that attacked Hodge. And also he was at the hotel and Clary actually stabbed him back in the hotel. Oh. Yeah, so she's like, sorry, I guess. And then Clary confronts him about everything. And he's like, all right, I'll give you my side of the story. Mm-hmm. So we get to part three, the descent beckons, and the quote was irrelevant. <laughs> so Luke explains that he and Jocelyn were childhood friends who went to Shadowhunter School in Alicante. And, okay, they never specify in this book if it's Alicante, Spain, or if there's an Alicante in that secret Shadowhunter world. I'm assuming it's us in the Shadowhunter world. But, like, I just pictured them in Alicante, Spain. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, Luke had really no talent until Valentine, who's a year older than them, 
um, who was like rich, smart, talented. Everyone wanted to be him or be with him. He took Luke under his wing and helped show him how to be a great shadow hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's, you know, he Luke and Jocelyn, you know, started running his crowd. Uh, Luke and Valentine actually became para parabat parabatai parabatai together so they were closer than brothers and valentine kept you know recruiting more minions essentially who were all these like misfits that were either struggling in school or like uh isabel's mom it was a little bit of a faux pas because her brother had married a human so she was a little bit of misfit in that way Mm -hmm. uh and so he found all these people and you know became a group leader that's the classic cult leader things going on here and it was quickly evident in school that valentine did not like how shadow hunters were dying out and he thought the clave was lying about how dangerous it was to use the cup to make more mm-hmm. he thought that they just wanted to keep shadow hunters as an elite small group and that they were just trying to keep the masses away mm-hmm. and he hated all downworlders and he had kind of the opposite view of Jace. So where Jace says, well, if they have human blood in them, there's some some humanity left. Valentine was like, nothing with demon blood could ever be good. And Valentine's behavior escalated when his dad was killed by werewolves, and now he's all twisted and ready for revenge. Um, and when he was grieving his dad's death, Jocelyn grew very close to him because she was there, you know, helped console him. She was the only one that could calm him down. And so the two of them fell in love and got married and she became pregnant as Valentine continued his mission. But pretty quickly, Jocelyn grew wary and scared of Valentine. She was very concerned for herself and others. Mm-hmm. And uh, Luke and Michael Wayland, Jace's father, were also starting to have some hesitations, but no one left yet. Uh, Luke became the first to leave when Valentine and he were hunting werewolves, and he was like, look, we're parabatai, like, I knew he had my back, but he didn't, and I was bitten, and I turned into a werewolf. You don't always turn, but he did. Mm -hmm. And Valentine couldn't bring himself to kill Luke, um... So he handed him a knife and said, kill yourself, and left. So Luke went on a basically suicide mission to attack the werewolf clan um, that was, like, the one responsible for him turning. So he fights the werewolf clan leader. They do, they call it a clan. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he manages to kill the clan leader, and in werewolf protocol, that means Luke's now the head of the clan. Oh, okay. Uh, Months later, Jocelyn shows up with a baby son named Jonathan Christopher, and she reveals that Valentine's plan to disrupt the Accords. So the two of them work secretly together to notify all the downworlders about what's happening. So that they and they basically the two of them lead the counterattack. And when the plan fails, Valentine sees Jocelyn and Luke. We're working together on this. And he's like, Luke, I can't believe you turned my wife against me. You were always in love with her. I can't believe the two of you betrayed me like this. You're going to regret it. And that night, Luke sees a fire at Valentine and Jocelyn's house. Jocelyn is inside and alive, but she's by the dead 
burnt corpses of her parents, and then there's small baby bones there, and she's absolutely devastated. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the insurrection, Michael Wayland uh, was overcome with grief because his wife died during the whole situation. So he became a recluse and like just took his young son and left to just live alone. And the Lightwoods had connections to powerful families. So that's how they got away with uh, no real repercussions. They're like, their whole thing is that they're supposed, they have to live in New York. They aren't bound there like Hodge was. So they had the repercussion of they couldn't live in their home country, which is a very sacred, special place for shadow hunters. But mm-hmm. they really got a slap on the wrist. But the Lightwoods did help Hodge, and they were like, let him stay in New York with us. Then the clay was like, well, we'll bind him so he can't leave the Institute. But yeah, so that's what happened to the surviving members. And as we saw earlier in the book, there was those two loyalists that managed to escape. But other than that, everyone was dead from the circle. Oh, I forgot to mention, I forgot to put the note. So back to the burnt bodies, there was also an adult male burnt corpse so and it was had valentine's necklace on it mm-hmm. but jocelyn was always on uh, didn't feel that valentine was really dead mm-hmm. so that everyone else was like he killed himself uh and then jocelyn had disappeared most people thought that she also died in the fire even though her body wasn't there they're like oh yeah we have bodies all accounted for except jocelyn all right uh but luke found jocelyn one day uh in new york city with her young daughter since this is when Luke reveals to Clary, Valentine is her father. Wow. And uh, JC, the initials on the box, not her dad. It was her older brother who died as a baby. Mm-hmm. Being murdered by their father. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clary's very upset, but she really hones in on, like, this is all insane, absolutely insane, but I still need to find my mom. Mm-hmm. Gotta save her. And um, since Valentine used a portal to show up... Uh, they realize that if he's in New York City, there are only two po- two portals um, that he could have come through. Because earlier in the book, Magnus says that he doesn't have a portal. The only two are Dorothea and Renwick's. Luke says, I've never heard Renwick. That's not a Shadowhunter name. Not really sure. They figure out it's an abandoned hospital on Roosevelt Island. And the werewolf clan, we find out that Luke is now a part of, is headquartered in a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown that rarely operates. Luke says the only time they answer the phone is when the cubs are bored and want to just deliver food to people for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we also find out that Luke has been in charge of this werewolf clan for a week. So when Jocelyn went missing, he was like, all right, I gotta become in charge of, I gotta get some werewolf buddies. And so that means either he just found a bunch of werewolves that didn't have a clan, or he just killed someone. Oh. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> he either found an open position somewhere, which I don't know how that happened, or literally he was like, all right, that's a group. I gotta become a leader. <laughs> Luke, gotta love him. Mm-hmm. So they, they swarm the hospital, and they find her mom, who's in a magically induced coma. Technically not magic. Jace repeatedly tells Clary, we're not, like, it's not magic. Don't call us magicians. We're not doing magic. But anyway, some kind of spells keeping her mom in a coma. And those two old members of the circle show up, so Luke starts finding them, and Clary runs off. And she finds Jace, who is in surprisingly good health and good spirits. And she's like, you need to tell Luke to call off the attack. There's been a misunderstanding. My dad is here. 
Hodge lied. Hodge is the one who was the villain this whole time. He lied about my dad dying. He lied about everything. And Valentine walks in and Jace is like, hey, dad, what's up? And Clary's like, I'm sorry, what? No, 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 that's not your dad. Jace is like, this is my father. This is the guy who raised me. Um, (laughs) And Valentine quickly realizes who Clary is, quickly analyzes what the feelings between the two of them and is like, can play this to my advantage. Just break down their spirits. Mm -hmm. He's like, perfect. Anyway, Clary is trying to convince Jace not to trust Valentine and that Valentine is lying about being his father. And Jace is like, no, I straight up know what my dad looks like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And Valentine told Jace that Hodge is the real villain who wanted the cup. And Hodge lied about Chase's uh, lineage. And Valentine took Jocelyn not to hurt her, but to heal her after Hodge attacked her. And he just wants to, you know, be reunited with his family. Clary's like, no, you're Jace Wayland. That's why the ring you're wearing is a W for Wayland. <laughs> and Valentine goes, hey, a sweet daughter of mine. What happens when you flip a W? Mm-hmm. It's an M. And those symbols, it's a falling star. Why Why would Waylands have a falling star as their symbol? It makes sense for Morgenstern, which is his family name, which is a reference to Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, then he calls Jace Jonathan, and Clary's like, that's not your name, is it? <laughs> and she's like, why do you go by Jace? And he's like, my initials are JC. And she goes, Jonathan Christopher? And Valentine's like, yeah, uh, Jace, meet your sister. And so now, five hours later, it feels, we get to Cassandra Clare incest backstory. For those of you who don't know, before Cassandra Clare was a popular YA novelist, she was a Harry Potter fanfiction writer, mm-hmm. as many, many people were. Yes. So... Before we get to the incest, her first fic was a trilogy, I guess, about Draco, it sounds like. And she straight up just plagiarized chunks from, like, Buffy and stuff. Like, it was just all plagiarized. And then she wrote another Harry Potter fanfic called The Mortal Instruments about Ron and Ginny being in a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you at home who don't know who Ron and Ginny are, they... <laughs> They are brother and sister. And shortly before her first book, The City of Bones, was published, she deleted it from the internet. But nothing is ever really forgotten and deleted from the internet. So people found out, and they were like, you wrote incest fanfiction. You wrote incest into your YA novel. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, that is the Cassandra Clare incest backstory. Any comments, Mary? No. <laughs> All just right. Go- if you want to know more, just Google it. <laughs> it's a fascinating tale. It really is. Um, anyway, so back to the plot. We're almost done. <laughs> this is going to be such a long episode. Yeah, it's almost two hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Valentine explains that he faked his death in the uprising. And that because Michael Wayland and his son had died during the whole fiasco and had no living relatives, so he used that opportunity to escape with Jace and assume Michael's identity. 
But ten years later, he started getting blackmailed by someone uh, who knew who he really was. So he had to fake his death again and, you know, get Jace to safety. But now they can be a happy reunited family. Clary is not buying anything of this and Jace is eating it up. He's suddenly an idiot. <laughs> Luke shows up and is ready to fight his old best friend who t- t- betrayed him, basically. Valentine! And he finds out who Jace is. He's shocked that Jonathan is alive. And Jace is like, don't call me that. And he's being an angsty fucker. Jace tries to convince Clary to leave and just let Valentine and Luke fight it out. But Clary sees that Valentine's about to kill Luke. And so he's she's trying to convince Jace that Valentine's lying and can't be trusted. And she's like, tells him about her mom crying over this box that was like his baby hair and all that. And that Valentine killed their grandparents. And Jace is not... He's not having it. He's like, no, that can't be true. Like, we can trust our father. Like, can you? No. You but, uh... This man. <laughs> this man abused you. Uh, anyway, Luke is about to die, so Clary jumps in the way before Valentine can swing the sword at Luke. Uh, he's about to swing the sword, but Jace manages to knock it out of his hand. Valentine tries to play it cool, and he's like, I wasn't gonna swing with Clary in front of me, but that was a nice, nice throw, Jace. I'm really proud of you. He's like, really, he's, you know, really trying to keep Jace on his side. Mm-hmm. It's working. But Clary confronts him about killing her grandparents, and she pieces together that he must have killed Michael Wayland and his young son as an escape plan because that explains why there was the body of a man and child in the house. And between Clary and Luke pestering him, he finally admits it. He's like, yes, I did it, but I had my reasons. Jace is shocked. And he attacks Valentine. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm Jace Wayland, not Jonathan Morgenstern. He's like, you're not a Wayland. He's like, I'm not a Morgenstern either, Dad. Uh, Valentine offers to show them where the cup is in exchange for his life. Uh, but then when Luke's back is turned, he attacks. Uh, but a werewolf intervenes and saves Luke. Valentine tries to convince Jace to run away with him, and he's like, we'll retrieve the cup, and then we can just go live happily together. And Jace considers it, but then he doesn't. Uh, And then Valentine's like, well, if you're going to kill me, kill me. Like, hands him a knife. He's like, inches away. He's like, you see, you're too soft-hearted. You're a little bitch, Jonathan. And he leaves. (laughs) And now we're at the epilogue. The The ascent beckons. Brother Jeremiah cannot figure out what is wrong with Clary's mom. She's still in a coma uh, in a hospital. He's technically like, I don't really have a reason to help her because she abandoned the clave, but he's still looking into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother jo- Brother Jonathan, Brother Jeremiah, spoilers, he uh, is not who he seems. Oh. And his true identity is a character that many people simp for. Oh, God. Anyway. (laughs) Luke has been staying by Jocelyn's side in the hospital. Uh, Magnus uh, managed to heal Alec in time, so Alec is fine. And now Alec and Isabel's family is heading right back to NYC because they've actually been notified about what's happening because Hodge had not been writing any updates to the clave. Shocker. (laughs) They did not know any of this was happening. (laughs) 
Uh, Claire, Clary and Simon make plans to watch Trigun together that night, and then she goes to the Institute. Uh, Isabel's excited to see her, and she's like, you know, I realized the other night, I do like you. <laughs> I wasn't just worried about Jace when I realized you what happened with, like, Hodge. I was worried about you, too. Clary's like, you know what? I like you, too. Isabel, you don't have to pretend to be nice around me. Isabel's like, oh, you mean I can just be a bitch? She's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Clary finds out that Jace hadn't told Isabel and Alec the full story about Hodge. He was like, oh, Valentine showed up and he, you know, got the cup from us and broke Hodge's, uh, curse. So Hodge just took the opportunity to leave. So Isabel's just like, someday we might hear back from Hodge. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But then Clary realizes, because they're talking about how Magnus showed up and healed Alec and, like, stayed through the night mm-hmm. to make sure he was okay. And Isabel's like, I don't know how how Magnus knew to show up. And Clary realizes that Hodge had contacted Magnus to come when he was leaving. Mm-hmm. So she's like, what a strange man that is. <laughs> so Alec shows up and he apologizes to Clary for lashing out at her. They even share a little joke at the expense of Jace together. So they're friends now, too. And Clary finds Jace in the greenhouse, and she's like, hey, why were you even considering going back with your father, uh, given how abusive he was to you? And Jace is, is like, you know, those years of my life are, were the only ones where I felt sure about who I was as a person. And then Clary asks Jace to come to the hospital. He's like, I don't know, like... Jocelyn, yeah, she gave birth to me. I've never met her. Like, I don't know if I can really see her as a mom. And Clary's like, I'm just hoping that maybe your presence there will help her wake up from the coma. Mm -hmm. So he agrees, like, on that. And Jace reveals that Magnus has gifted him a flying motorcycle, so they fly off. And that's the end of the book. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So yeah, we start with blue, like blue bloods for memory, and then it just goes places. Yeah. Uh, my other notes are there was a bad movie adaptation, as there should be, and then there was a pretty decent, from what I've heard, TV adaptation, but pretty decent in the 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 way that it was a uh, ABC Family slash Freeform production. So it was, like, 40-year-olds playing these teenagers and it, probably a lot of make-out and sex scenes that didn't need to be there. Uh, yeah, I would guess it would probably be, like, similar to Vampire Diaries. Vampire Diaries. Um, well, CW. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, similar vibes. Similar vibes. Mary and I are staring at each other in the dark right now. Yeah, the sun has gone <laughs> The now. sun. It is bedtime for us. It's been anyway. two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact about that TV adaptation, Raphael, the vampire, he comes back as a reoccurring character and a- he becomes an ally eventually, despite... The whole debacle. Uh-huh. Um, they apparently made him asexual, but I I haven't found out. I, I, I haven't looked into it enough if it's implied or explicit, but there's something in there that people say he's ace in the TV show, so good for them. Great. Good for them on that. Yeah. Um, Magnus is... Honestly, I forget. Magnus, he, he might be pan. He might, I don't remember now. But he's an icon. He's a gay yeah. icon. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he and spoilers. He and Alex start dating. <gasps> wow, good. And at that. first, I was like, "Oh God, is this an?" A- I mean, it is an age gap, but I was like, "Is this a minor?" But I'm like, "No, Alec is 
18 in this book, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but they're everyone's favorite couple. <laughs> you've got... <laughs> you've got straight-faced, <laughs> never-happy Alec, and... <laughs> Your typical Williamsburg gay. It's <laughs> a dynamic everyone loves. As everyone loves to see it. Um, there, and there's, as I mentioned, there's like a ton of books in this universe now. She's made an empire out of it. There's the prequel series, and then there's like a sequel series that takes place in LA or something, and then there's the, the Magnus like, I don't know if it's just one or there's I, I, there's something that's focused on Magnus. It's never ending. Mm-hmm. My outstanding questions were why the wrong Latin, which we've already addressed. Yeah. Why is she obsessed with the term moral instruments, which we've touched on? We, we never know. Mm-hmm. And why the incest? Truly a question we will never have answered. Yeah. I think there's... I forget if it's a trilogy or four. I think it's a trilogy. So in the second book, there's some grappling with, like, wow, we developed these emotional, like, these romantic feelings for each other and we kiss, but now suddenly we're relatives. So they, like, they touch upon that in the second. And then in the, well, I think it's the third, but at least whatever the last book in this series is, um, this other character is introduced who romantically pursues Clary and they Mm -hmm. kiss and then he reveals spoilers. Burm, 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 spoilers. Anyway, he reveals he is actually Jonathan Morganstern, and he's known this whole time. He's a villain working with Valentine. Mm-hmm. So he kissed his sister, knowing that was his sister. Um, and then she's like, wait, Jace isn't my brother? No, they're not related at all. So they can date. Yeah, I don't fucking know. I was gonna say, like, I could see why in terms of shock value, not that I condone it yeah. for that reason, but that's... that's then, then the second part comes up, and you're like, you didn't have to make her real brother kiss her. Well, that's what I mean. I was yeah. like, before you... I was gonna say that before you I had second part, and I was like, no, that was just unnecessary for anything. Yeah, and then Jace's last name is really Herondale. Jace was born to... Stephen and Celine Herondale, while he was still in Celine's womb, Valentine Morgenstern constantly gave Celine do- Oh, that's not- Okay, never mind. That's- Anyway. That comes up later. Well, <laughs> They're dosing him with angel blood. Anyway. This has been a journey. It's so dark in here. It's so dark. How <laughs> I mean, you see it here, full now? Um, so follow us on the- ooh, follow us on those social medias. Yeah. Why book podcast? Why book? Email us whybookpodcast at gmail.com. This has been a doozy. Yeah, this little. I was a party was like, do we need to split this into two episodes? And I was like, no, no, we'll we'll push it. We'll make one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's gonna be a long one. It's gonna be well, I love it. Yay. Yeah, any final <laughs> any final remarks? Um, Warrior Cats, huh? Yeah, yeah, I just know there's a lot of crossover fan fiction. You can absolutely find Warrior Cats. I would even go so far as to say it's on the first page of the Bards and Noble reviews. <laughs> well, Mary, Mary, that's not saying much. Yeah, I normally you'd go like. Two I bet there's pages blue. Like I think I think there's blue bloods crossover too. Yeah, I mean there, there's no point in even looking at this fan fiction page because I already know it's like. Oh, I'm going to. Fuck how long this episode already is. We're doing fanfic.net since it started in 2007, even though it's still an ongoing series, basically. 
All right. Well, there's crossover with her prequel series that's still in this universe. Okay. Uh, Percy Jackson, Harry Potter, Twilight, Supernatural, Shadowhunters. Oh, that was the Freeform show's name. Vampire Academy, Maximum Ride! Okay, what were we looking for specifically? I wasn't looking for anything specific. Inuyasha! There's fairy tale crossover. Yeah, there's gonna be crossover with anything. Like, yeah, I'm truly. not gonna be surprised by any crossover. Clary and the gang fall into the well. They meet the Inuyasha gang. They help collect shards. They meet Sashomaru, Sama, and Koga. Clary falls for Sashomaru. No, I'm not. No, I'm cutting the episode here. It's done. We're done. We've gone too far. 